What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Joining us today is Michael Bates. Michael Bates' mission is the evolution of men across the planet and our lifetime. His passion is to coach and inspire humans of all persuasions into the deepest embodiment of their highest potential. Michael facilitates masculine rites of passage, guiding men and boys into the embodied ritual, ordeal, and lineage of manhood. Michael is truly blessed to be living his dream and traveling the world in conscious partnership, leading workshops, creating rituals, holding medicinal space, and coaching A-level humans with his beloved partner, Touch. From the hellish shadows of a self-created nightmare, Michael rises through daily practice, honesty in real time, and the guidance of mentors and soul family to claim a new way of being. Michael, welcome to the show. (laughs) Brendan, thank you for having me. I, just to give the listeners a little bit of context, we connected while I was still living in New York through a very powerful men's group that you run. And so I want to thank you for hosting that. I grew tremendously through that experience. And also in that process, I learned more about your background and the type of work you do. My first question is, how did you get into this work and what from your past may have stemmed your interest or need to you know go forward on this path that's a great question it's um a question i get asked a lot and uh it's 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 a powerful answer i think to sort of continue to express because it's it's the same i say that because it's the same situation that most of the men or humans that come to me uh, in the work that i do sort of exhibit the same symptoms and that was essentially a, a complete existential crisis um, as sort of early midlife crisis, I think I was about 35 when it first really took hold uh, as a result of essentially spending the previous two decades of my life really sort of aimless and purposeless. When I was a, a kid and a teenager, I knew I was going to be a professional basketball player and a professional jazz musician. And that was my life. And that was my life all the way up until the end of my first semester at college when suddenly both of those were no longer um, no longer in my world and I just I was I just became sort of rudderless and didn't really know quite what to do and spent the next again two decades sort of trying to discover what I'm supposed to do in the world and um, largely you know going from from thing to thing jack of all trades master of none in a way um, had an amazing stint at acting school in New York City, which was a pretty profound experience for me and def- a big part of my spiritual practice then and also now. Um, but that it, 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 I came to, to the place at 35 of just, I don't have all of the boxes checked of manhood. I don't have the wife or the car or the house or the bank account or these things that typically 
one looks to, at least in our culture, as markers for success as a man. And I was still in New York City. I was just sort of floating. Um, and I had been experiencing these sensations, you know, in almost like a, like a, gra a graduating crescendo for, again, these sort of two decades. But I hit 30. And up until that point, everyone had just kind of said to me, oh, you're still young. You're still in your 20s. Don't worry about it. You've got plenty of time to figure out who you are. Suddenly I was 30 and I still didn't know. Um, again, that was about the time I went to acting school. So I had this amazing experience of dropping into art and performance and uh, personal development really in a way that I hadn't had in a long time, but then trying to do that out in the world with the you know hundreds of thousands of other actors out there also trying to make it. Um, suddenly I woke up at 35 and it was like th th this, sense of anxiety and depression, um, sort of both at the same time, um, really started to kind of overtake me. Uh, it took me the last five years to sort of break that apart, realize that the experience that I was having was not at all um, untypical, um, but actually very much par for the course for I think so many of us who um, are depressed, fixated on the, the past or anxious, fixated on the future, and not knowing where to go. And, you know, for so many of us, we, we seek professional help, we get medicated, we, we get put on SSRIs, these types of things, which are correct sometimes, you know, when there is a brain, a neurochemical imbalance. But I think for so many of us, the onset of this depression and anxiety, what I came to discover in the, in the older traditions and these traditions that have been on this planet for thousands of years, no matter where you look, no matter where your genetics come from, Africa, Asia, the Americas, Europe, wherever, that there are these traditions that <clears throat> sort of point to these, to these things as the onset of something good, of something, something correct, that depression and anxiety is the correct response to the world and the state that it's in. And it's indicative of something in your life needing to change, that you are not living up to your fullest potential. You're not, you're not in some way embodying your purpose on this planet. And so I came to find that that was very much true for me. And then um, kind of being dragged into men's work, sort of men's work finding me and then not letting me go. Um, <laughs> and I guess that's a very long-winded answer to your question, but no, it's, it's, covers it. it's long, but comprehensive. And one thing that resonates that I think is worth highlighting is if our body is in physical pain, it's easy to get frustrated. Oh my goodness. This is so annoying. I want to keep playing basketball and my knee keeps flaring up, but it's really just, Hey, do some PT, do strengthen your hip, rest it a little bit. This is an indication that if we want to go forward, to listen to your body. And so it sounds like what you're saying is when you have anxiety or depression, it's not necessarily, maybe in certain cases, an SSRI might be helpful, but listen to the anxiety, listen to the depression, do something about it. And so that's really interesting to me. Now, I have a lot of people come to me, listeners of this show, emailing us, me and my team. Mm -hmm. How do I discover my purpose? Clearly, Michael, you've gone on this journey. It sounds like your acting school had a big impact on you as well curious how so, but really it seems like you're very much aligned with your purpose. And that's something that I think we should all aspire to be aligned with. When someone comes to you and says, I have no idea what my purpose is, where do you take them first? I, um, usually it's a series of questions. 
and it's it's ironic because I, um, having having asked myself that question for two decades, but not really asked myself that question. Um, that's where I take people because I don't believe I, I in my experience people we know we know if you really take the time or do the work and that can be through a, a variety of different modalities or what have you in a way the modality doesn't matter it's that on some level you know inside what you are meant to be doing and that doesn't mean that you're meant to be doing that for the rest of your life necessarily but it's the thing you're meant to be doing now that will take you to the next thing you're meant to be doing then and then the next thing that you're meant to be doing then so it's getting an idea for how to orientate yourself towards um, at least what it is that you're being pointed to in this moment. So what I do with a lot of my guys, what I do with a lot of people is, yeah, what, what essentially happened to me is figuring out a way to enable that person through the dialectic through questioning them it's it's no good if i tell them what the answer is even though it's usually pretty obvious to me i've gotten to a point where i can sort of take someone in and i've got a pretty good idea um because again there's a rule that me and my lady work with that that's everything is yin and yang everything is everything is polarity everything there's we're always balanced or imbalanced in one of two directions so finding where the imbalance is and then helping them discover in their own way what it is that's at the, at the bottom of that. I know I'm being a bit vague. Um, I can get specific about my own experience. What happened for me in 2016, I went to a workshop that was run by a man by the name of David Data, who was to become one of my mentors. Uh, and I was um, from that experience there asked to spend a little time behind the scenes um, which led me to work with two of my other mentors and, and sort of brought me into this whole group of people who are all based in LA. Um, Tribe Men's Community is the name of that group and also um, uh, the Yoga of Intimacy. But we'll, we can talk more about that at the end. But what happened was it was a three-day weekend intensive. It was Friday until Sunday. There were 95 guys. It was Data's first essentially long form weekend in, in like 10 years. Like he'd basically just been meditating in a freaking room for you know a, a while. And over the course of the weekend, what I didn't know is the whole weekend was sort of preparation for this final exercise. And what that final exercise was, I came to discover was a purpose divination practice. And it was basically a two, a two person practice. So it was two men, myself and another man in eye contact, um, having sort of been put into meditative states through a number of different individual practices and then a number of group practices. But then there was a very specific sort of line of questioning that we did where with the help of the mirror, with the help of the other person, I was able to arrive largely at my purpose um, in that moment, which resulted in the thing that all truth usually results in in the human body at tears and you know sen you know sensations in my body energy swirling and i just i couldn't believe it but that's what that's sort of what had happened so 
to answer your question, yeah, I, I really do believe people do know what their true purpose is. Um, there's usually a lot of fear that is the, the gateway in a way. Um, one of my mentors talks about, we talk about the, the fear compass in tribe where there's essentially two types of fear. There's the fear of you know, a, a lion or a tiger or a bear around the corner. Um, and that type of fear should be listened to. It should absolutely be listened to. And you should run away from whatever it is that that <laughs> specific fear is, you know, get out of the intersection before the bus comes and takes you out. Right. But there's another type of fear that unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, registers in the body in a very similar way. Um, so it can be hard to distinguish between that type of fear, but then the fear of purpose that there's a fear where when you really start to point to the thing, oh my God, I think I'm supposed to be um, a public speaker. And that flush of terror kind of rises up because, you know, this is one of those, one of those things in men's work, right? It's like, or really just, just interpersonal work. The, 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 what is it? The wound is the doorway to the gift. And so that there's, there's something in you that, will have to be gone through. You have to go through this fear in order to embody what your real purpose is in the world. So there's, a, I think that's part of it. And yeah. People are terrified of their real purpose because it's usually terrifying because it's not working at Amazon or it's not um, delivering groceries. And for some people that is, I don't want to take anything away from those types of jobs, but we all know that there's pr something greater that we're here to manifest. And it's, it can be really terrifying because so much of what we experience or have been conditioned, whether through parents, society, whatever, kind of pulls us away from that towards, towards safety, towards security and these kinds of things. So. Yeah, that's really well said. I, I would say in almost every case of someone's looking me in the eye, I'm coaching them. I say, what's mm -hmm. your purpose? And they say, I don't know. The actual translation of that is I'm deeply afraid of even answering that question because that means that if I will be in integrity with my journey, I'm going to have to confront inner fear, pain, survival, cortisol, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's, that's well said. My next question for you is how did you wind up at David Data's event? Obviously his work had a big impact on you. You've been able to carry on his work as a leader in the New York community. What brought you to that event? I think there's this idea that most spiritual traditions talk about uh, East or West is that when you, when you finally line up with purpose or you line up with something, like something's telling you to go right when you always go left and it doesn't make sense to go right, but for whatever reason you do. And then suddenly there's this slipstream of um, whatever, whatever you want to call it a uh, coincidence blah, 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 but there was a, a very amazing series of events that sort of took place one after another, after, like a chain, like a chain of events that's sort of like a domino thing that happened. Um, I was in a really challenging relationship. Um, my woman was handing me self-help books every other day, which, and this is something maybe we'll hit on later, you know, as far as a polarity thing, God bless women and their, their attempts to help us as men. And there's something just innately emasculating about that. At least there was for me. Yeah. So I already knew at that point that I, 
I had to, this is speaking of purpose fear, that year at Burning Man, I had to create a male rite of passage. I, I had a dream. I had a series of things that just told me this is something I had to do. And I was absolutely terrified. And I was like, there's no way I, I'm going to do this. And I had, I started figuring it out. I was reading a lot of Joseph Campbell. I was reading a lot of Marcia Eliad. I was reading all the, the ritual rites of passage stuff and realizing in my own life, all the rituals I had either gone through or hadn't gone through. And someone hands me this book and it's The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. And it just fit like a puzzle piece into the last bit of the equation of what I was trying to create for this, for this ritual, for this rite of passage. I went to Burning Man. I wouldn't absolutely have backed out. I would absolutely have not done it because I was so terrified because who the fuck am I to think I can do this? I have no, I don't have a degree in psychology, blah, 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 blah. And um, an amazing friend of mine, Sean Talbot, uh, a fellow MKP brother, uh, Mankind Project is MKP, um, refused to allow me not to do it. And with his help and the help of my partner at the time too, and some of the other men there in my Burning Man community, I went out and did it. Um, and it absolutely changed my life. I, it was like an out-of-body experience. It was two hours. I remember starting. I don't remember much of what happened in the, in the middle. Um, but coming out of that, um, it was such a terrifying, horrifying, enlightening experience that Right after that, I, I hopped online and there was a thing from David Data about this workshop and that he had never, you know, he, he just, he didn't do workshops anymore. He didn't do this stuff. And suddenly here's the first one that he's done in 10 years. And I think I got one of the last tickets and it was a lot of money. It was well more than I felt I, I wanted to pay, but I just knew, I knew I had to pay it. And it was one of those things where I had almost, almost to the dollar, the exact amount in my checking account of the cost of the ticket plus the flight. Right. And it was just like, fuck, I'm going to have no money, but take my money. Um, yeah. So again, this sort of series of events. Yeah. Very, very powerful events that led to that experience. It sounds like you listened to your intuition. And I also want to highlight that you made an important investment in yourself. And I see a lot of people I don't want to go to this seminar. I can't afford a coach. My yep. company only covers half of my therapy. Yep. So I, I want to highlight you're just another example, like I am, of the dividends that this investment pays off yeah. financially. Oh, absolutely. And I think you, you obviously speak to it from a place of experience. And I find that's, it, at, at first, it was very challenging for me in my initial forays in coaching to sort of be able to sit with um, the potential clients that would come to me in the discomfort of the monetary ask and realizing that, you know, for just like what happened to me in working with my coach, um, I knew I had to give this man half of the money that I had in the world. I knew that's what I had to do. It was terrifying. I don't know why I knew that. He was asking for half of that. And I actually raised the price. Um, and there's, you know, so many, again, pointing to the spiritual traditions, whether it's Abraham and Isaac in the Bible, of the idea of the sacrifice. And that in order to truly break through something and achieve a level of transformational change in the body-mind system that isn't just a flash in the pan, it's not just I went to a workshop and then 
a week from now, I'm not living any of the things and I've forgotten it. I'm watching, you know, Game of Thrones for the eighth time, um, <laughs> you know, but that there's, there, there is something that has, there's always going to be uh, an impediment to your growth mm-hmm. and a, a willingness to sacrifice something of value for the type of change. And there's something in that, Brendan, and I'm sure, again, you can really point to that, that in, until you're willing to do that, and it, unless you do that, it's just not going to happen. At the beginning of my coaching days, I took on some clients that I really should not have taken on because I needed the money. I wanted to help, but the price wasn't right for them or for me. And it became all of those relationships terminated earlier. There, you know, really some bad situations that happened because I wasn't listening to the wisdom that I hadn't yet learned, you know, in a way. So I kind of had to go through those experiences, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've had Oh yeah, speak to that as well. I can absolutely speak to that in my, the evolution of my coaching company that I've built up. When you say sacrifice, you remind me of a story from the Bible where a rich man came up to Jesus and said, I want your love. I want the life you have. I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you. Tell me what I need to do. I'll do it all. I just, I want, I'm in, I want to buy into your system here. Yeah. And Jesus said, I'm only going to ask you to do one thing. The rich man said, what's that? And Jesus said, you got to give up all your money. You just got to donate it, let it go, cut it loose. And the rich man didn't do it. And, you know, so it's, it's powerful. When I was, I was just asked this recently by someone in an interview. And I said, I left wall street because I knew that my calling was not only to help people with this, but really I wanted to heal myself. And I had to extricate myself from those golden handcuffs as I used to refer to it. Absolutely. Uh, so, so good for you to make that sacrifice. The yeah. next question I have for you is <clears throat> the way that you show up based on my experience and the group that you've led. And even right now is you're very present and you're very embodied. Mm. You're very grounded. You're very here. And I'm curious if that's something you've always had, if that's something that's evolved through the work that you've done, is that something you help your clients with? What are the benefits of that for mm. our listeners? I mean, we live in a world where if you walk into a room the way you do, people can feel that. Women can be attracted to that. Guys want to do business with that or hang out with that. And so I'm curious if there's any background to how you show up? That's a great question. I, I wish I had a time machine so I could go back and sort of check on myself at different ages and see, you know, because I, I do think there is just in the way I grew up, um, I think certain traditions um, for me, you know, organized sports and these types of things where there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot of conditioning, physical conditioning in my body. I'm so grateful for that. For me, going to the gym is my medicine. It's very much yoga. My dad's a, a kundalini yoga teacher. So I, I was gifted uh, my karma, whatever you want to call it, um, to, to step into a, obviously a really beautiful set of genetics. I mean, thanks to whoever I need to thank for that. And um, I have absolutely devoted uh, years at this point to the cultivation of my attention and the cultivation of my presence. One of my mentors always says, and he said it to me, and the first time I heard it, it was like, oh, 
And what he said was, um, what if I told you that changing your posture and changing your breath could change your entire life? And so as men, and obviously there's a lot of conversation out there about what that even means. And I think it can, you know, you can get stuck in the wheels of man and men and manliness and pronouns and all these things. And God bless if that's, if that's what needs to be explored for you. I support that. For me, it's more of, this is what I'm sort of speaking to. And this is what a lot of people that come to me are speaking to. And by that, I mean, just sort of being a man, masculinity as it, as it is for most people. And so the ability to recognize as a man, the value of your attention and the absolute currency that it is. It is absolutely, in my opinion, in my esteem, the most valuable commodity that you can cultivate. And this goes for human beings too. I don't want to say this to, you know, cut out the ladies by any means, because we all have both energies. Some of the most profound meditators I've ever met have been women. So there's an energetic, and maybe we'll have time to get into that, you know, that's sort of specific to these ideas, but there are absolutely practices that you can do every day to cultivate an openness in the body that, again, I'm not saying, you know, I could be sitting here talking to you like this and we could have a perfectly good conversation and I could sort of be covering my mouth and you know, things I used to do, things I used to do habitually because I was afraid of my own power. I was afraid of, so by, coming to start to examine ourselves, examine the way we stand. Why do I stand this way? Why did I do this? Why did, when I was a young person, why did I always cover my mouth? To the degree that we're able to do that piece apart, our own experiences, our own um, indoctrination and enculturation in a way, and be able to do that without blame. That was the big thing for me, man, was just like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. I'm a horrible person, you know? I, I, have, I stand like this. Oh, I should have been able to stand like this. Why wasn't I able to stand like this? Oh, that's the, that's the bypass, right? That's, that was my bypass to being able to, you know what? Yeah, I did that. What am I gonna choose now? What am I gonna choose now? My, my partner, Touch, and I talk about this. She's, act, I mean, she's a brilliant coach and I'm so excited to, be working with her but she says there's the there's the pain of being where you're where you are there's the pain of moving backwards or at least the sensation that you're that you're moving backwards and then there's the pain of moving forwards um, only one of those gets you out of where you're at and so there is this idea of yeah you don't have the life or the you haven't found your purpose so there's going to be discomfort that's that's in a way the gift of life or god or spirit whatever you want to call it whatever your term is for your highest ideal is pushing you towards your greatness and especially for men the ability to and i'm not talking about faking i'm not talking about pushing your chest out although fake it till you make it is a beautiful thing and we even know now neurologically i have a lot of my clients do this the superman pose in the morning where you stand with your hands on your hips with your with your chest open and your hips open and you stand and you look at yourself in the mirror and you breathe and you stay in eye contact with yourself and i'll even have guys do a, a mantra you know some type of 
a mantra is for those you know who, who might not be steeped in eastern esotericism but just a, a, a phrase a specific phrase that is medicinal for you it's a medicinal repetition of words that starts to affect uh, people in a lot of different reasons so i'll 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 end with that bit there. yeah what that's <clears throat> very <clears throat> powerful excuse me mm -hmm. and i'm i'm curious if you could share if they're sacred, if they're individualized, totally understand. But to the extent that you could share a mantra or some ideas of mantras that people could implement in front of the mirror, I think that would be really interesting. Just to contextualize this, we just had a woman on and we talked all about relationships and mm -hmm. her, what she was saying, this is Belinda Bloom for the listeners, if you haven't checked out that episode, her whole uh, concept was the relationship with the self, the self-love will mm. get you the relationship. How do you get the self-love? Her whole thing was mirror work, going in front of the mirror, keying in eye contact, deep eye contact away yeah. from the belly, the body, the hair, the whatever, the nose, whatever everyone thinks their imperfections are. And so if you could flesh out a little bit of an actionable something our listeners could do, including a mantra they could say to themselves, uh, and, and so, and also just to layer on top of that, you mentioned for men, the Superman pose, does a, does a feminine woman also do Superman pose or what would you have her do in the mirror? Yeah. If she's looking to build self-confidence, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I, I'm actually putting together a meditation course right now. And again, sort of dropping into these ideas of polarity that meditation, as we know it traditionally, you know, the single pointed awareness, the stillness practices, the sitting practices are traditionally masculine in their energetic orientation, meaning they're designed to cultivate masculine energy, which is present, which is still, which is non-doing. So in a way, all of the rest of existence can be categorized into one side of the equation and then in a way non-doing meditation is the only thing on the other side of the equation it's being versus doing and i know this this gets esoteric and this used to piss me off when i was younger i'm like what do you mean just do nothing what do you mean how do, how do i do nothing well do try to do one thing you know in the zen practice you know you stare at a point on the wall and you try to just stay present with that while you're breathing thoughts are going to arise. There's this erroneous idea that I had for a long time when I was younger that I was supposed to not think. And if thoughts would come up, that was evidence of my failure at meditation. It's like, no, the mind is going to generate thoughts. Can you stay with it? Can you stay with the breath, the point on the wall, whatever it is you're focused on? Hi, thoughts. Hello. Nice to see you again. Bye-bye. Stay with it. So what you're doing, just like you would in a gym, you're training the muscle, the the psychological muscle of keeping your attention on one thing at a time. And honestly, in this day and age of 8 million things happening all the time, all this, all these different things, Facebook and Instagram, literally fighting for your attention, you know, 5,000 ads we see each day is the average as a, as an individual in the West, everything pulling our attention, 8 million different ways, the skill of being able to, drop into a single with a client with your partner with your mom with someone crossing the street that's what i mean by the gift of attention specifically for men 
to be able to put your attention on someone entirely, not thinking about my taxes, not thinking about the hot chick that just walked into the bar, not thinking about the game that's on in the corner of my, that's the hard thing for me, man. If I'm at a bar and there's light, you know, or TVs in the corner of my mind, it's like, I want to look at it. So, and for, for the feminine practice of meditation, you know, my camp at Burning Man is Rhythm Wave and it's a five rhythms camp. Five, rhythm, five rhythms is a tradition of conscious dance that was created by a woman named Gabrielle Roth, which is basically, she's condensed all potential human movement into five essential rhythms. And it's this amazing two hour class where you go through all five of these rhythms and the idea is like with meditation, instead of not doing and not letting your thoughts dictate where your mind goes, it's feminine meditation. So it's in the body, it's moving, it's allowing yourself sound uh, and not judging, not letting the mind come in and say, oh, you look like an idiot. It's that old like, you know, dance like no one's watching. That's kind of the, the main rule of this practice. So there are ways to condition and again, the two different sides of the equation, yin and yang, masculine, feminine, light, dark, hot, cold, call it whatever you want. We live in a dualistic realm and there are ways to, depending on what your goal is. So depending on what my client is trying to accomplish, whether it's a man or a woman, gay, straight, it doesn't matter what your pronouns are, what, you're, what you wanna be in the world, there will be a specific medicine for you. And it's my job to help you figure out what that is and then build those around. So I, I do want to answer your question. Um, for me, you know, my mom used to say as part of, part of uh, my mom's a big hippie. So I, we had this amazing amalgam of like, we had, we celebrated Christmas, but we also went to like Tibetan meditation on Saturday. So may it be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And it's that sort of old, simple adage that comes from so many different cultures. May I be, may I be uh, healthy? wealthy and wise. So for me, that practice, I come to the mirror in the morning, I first find my posture um, without getting into it too much. It's, it's essentially an action posture. So if I was called in this moment to lunge for a ball or move quickly, what's the best way that I would be able to do that? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm light on my feet. I'm balanced between my toes and my heels. There's a slight bend in my knees. My hips are balanced on my pelvis. I'm not tilted back or tilted forwards. My shoulders are up, they're back, they're down. My chest is open. My hands are just hanging lightly in my sides. There's like a slight almost lift in the chin. I try to relax all the muscles in my face. Jaw tension is a big one for me. So I've ground my teeth for a lot of time, a lot of years in my early thirties, how to, sort of relax the whole body. But then as the whole body relaxes, allowing the attention to just kind of come out through your eyes. So I'd meet my own eyes in the mirror, which can be a really intense thing for a lot of people. And I'll set a timer for five minutes. May I be healthy, wealthy, and wise. The formula for, for you, listeners, whoever is out there, what are the three things? Make a list of the three things that you want most in your life. And then you can condense them down to a single word. For me, it's health, wealth, and wisdom. In that order. Well, maybe not in that order, but depending on the day. <laughs> but again, you know, I don't know, I don't know what it was, the 
that happened in our culture where you know the insertion of the priestly class that sort of disempowered the ordinary person from thinking that they have the answers that they seek that they can have a direct relationship to the divine or their version of the divine but again you know the answers and it can be really hard to find them on your own sometimes there's a reason why the worst possible punishment you can give a human being is solitary confinement we're social animals we're meant it's why coronavirus is so hard for so many of us we're meant to be in contact with each other the brain releases oxytocin when we sit in eye contact with another human being that's not hippy dippy bullshit that's that's neuroscience we know that for a fact yeah um so human connection being able to be around people and using people again is that mirror for how we oh know ourselves, how we realize we're out of alignment or how we're you know ask your do this ask your friends what do you really think of me ask yeah. your friends like what 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 am i struggling with the most you know what do i what if, if you could change one thing about me what would it be and they'll tell you man they'll t if, if they're really your friends they'll tell you maybe set some context for it you know don't just hit them you know at the at, you know at the bar watching the game hey man um so what's your least favorite thing about me but at the same time there's just something about it that we're not able to do for ourselves so we're meant to i mean this is why i think we we see this huge spike in the coaching space right now where it's it's to me it's it's the shamanic principle sort of returning it's that that idea that yes i am perfect and i have all the answers and everything that i know is good and i'm right where i'm supposed to be and things can always get better i could always improve and you brendan can see me michael much better than i can see myself which is why coaching works which is why therapy works which is why talking to your girlfriends over a you know apple martini at the bar works there's something about it that you know is really important to be able to yeah yeah, share with each other. So, yeah, pa powerful stuff. I, I want to share one thing with the audience and get your thoughts on this, Michael. Mm -hmm. When you were talking about the mirror work, yeah. I was kind of mirroring what you were doing. That yeah, you probably okay. saw it drop the shoulders, yeah. let go of the tension in the face, etc. And I felt this happiness, this joy, this fulfillment, this sort of rush of good feelings in my body. Oh, yeah. And that is very authentic. And I believe that the cell phone, the notifications, the Facebook, the porn, the whatever, and some of these things can have value on some levels, sure. but the constant going to something, the fantasy football, the pop-up, the new show is, is chasing that good feeling yep. and distracting and taking us away from that good feeling. 100%. And, and I don't know if you want to layer anything on top of that, but I just wanted to share that as you took me through that and took our audience through that, I mm -hmm. dropped in for a minute and a half and I felt all the good feelings that we can put our phones away and we can feel inside of ourselves if we're willing to go inside of ourselves and trust our body That's to beautiful. go there. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's just in the same way that the duration of time after you, after you exercise, say go outside and do a sprint, sprint up the block so that where you're out of breath the time that it takes for your for your active heart rate to return to your resting heart rate is the barometer for how in shape you are physiologically right. to me what you just did is the indicator of how in shape you are brendan 
with the internal work that you've obviously done and have been able to cultivate. So I have a lot of clients where they come in, it's their first experience with personal development work. It's their first you know, experience meditating and they expect to be able to sit on the cushion and ultimately you know, find inner peace and all these kinds of things. But again, it's just like, it's like going into the gym for the first time, putting 225 on the bench <laughs> and being confused. Why can't I lift 225? It's like, no, start with a hundred. And then you add five pounds and then you add another five pounds. And before you know it, if you do that, you get to where you're trying to go. You pointed to something that's really, really beautiful is that, you know, proper posture is directly correlated to the, our serotonin system in our brain. Yeah. So there's some, the body releases a reward for you when you do certain things and it punishes you in a way when you do others. So Mm -hmm there are ways of being that you can argue about all you want, but what's the response that you're getting from your body that, yeah. that we have this sort of internal map in our, in our own bodies that kind of tell us, you know, when we eat a, you know, half of a chocolate cake, we feel like shit. And when we exercise or when we stop for a second, chasing those dope, you know, those dopamine and serotonin hits, we, we get to experience something very similar to what you just did. And unfortunately, you know, human beings are really smart. And this is a pro and a con, obviously, but we're really smart. And we figured out the human brain and we figured out how to manipulate the human brain mm-hmm. and take advantage of that for profit. So very much, I don't know how you guys felt, but from the time I was growing up, I would notice when I would watch commercials on TV, I would, I would kind of be mad. There was like a sensation of anger that I would have being advertised to because I know, or at least I, I came to learn as I got older that, you know, I mean, these companies have mapped the human brain to the degree that they know how to essentially convince us to purchase things that we do not necessarily need by making us think that we are less than we are. And to me, that's the, the core, the core manipulation of, and, and the misuse of knowledge. Um, if you have a business, should you advertise? Yes. Yes. There, there are ways to do that in integrity. You, you need to try to put your stuff out there too, in a world that's so oversaturated with 8 million apps and all these different things. And that's a whole other conversation, but yeah, it's again, like I mentioned earlier, there's a war out there, an information war where, your data is now the most valuable commodity on the planet and you're being targeted specifically. And in some of those ways, it's good. It's great. You know, how many of you have, you know, bought something you really liked because you had an ad targeted to you specifically on social media. Great. And at the same time, there's, there's a constant competition for our attention and it's usually not trying to give your attention back to you. It's usually trying to take it and direct it onto something that may or may not be good or bad, what have you, but yeah. 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 Well said. I've been very vocal with the listeners this year about the fact that on January 1st, I took my Facebook and Instagram accounts and I gave the logins to my team. And so Mm. we push content more on Instagram than Facebook. They do it. And about once a month, they'll go into my inbox and send me screenshots of who's messaged me. And I I think you were one of those people at one point. And I just, what I do is I now call them or I do a WhatsApp 
an organic so. person if them they can. Um, so, you know, I've talked about Social Dilemma, the documentary, I've talked about all this and it's been a, a huge benefit for me. The next question I want to ask you is about relationships. Um, you've mentioned your partner a few times now. Uh, very curious about how that came to be, specifically what you did, how you became the man you are and how you found the partner that you're with. We have a lot of listeners who are single and aspire to have a conscious relationship, conscious partnership. We also have listeners who are not in the best relationships and they're looking for what should I do, et cetera. So I'll kind of give you a, a wide open um, path there to take that where you want. <laughs> <laughs> that is a wide open path. I can already feel different, you know, yeah. thought paths wanting to go and yeah. trying to feel what would be most of service um, to your listeners, Brendan. Um, you know, Touch is my, my partner's name. She's an incredible, incredible woman. I've never met anyone like her. Um, she is uh, <laughs> she is an oracle from another planet. Um, is a sort of our joke that we have together. Um, and I, but I am serious when I say that she's very much an oracle. And by that I mean that she has done the work to cultivate a relationship with her own inner um, knowing, to the point where when she has a, a an inquiry, she stops and she asks herself. She gets really quiet and she asks inside. For the answer and there's something about that i don't know that it's specifically feminine or, or something that I, I think it's something men can do too again here we go with the sort of energy idea but um you know we have these instances throughout history the oracle of delphi the oracle you know these ideas of being able to sort of divine truth and for me in this relationship, you know, Touch and I have a maxim that we live by and it's the maxim that we teach relationship from and it's honesty in real time. That is for us in our experience in the, in the capacity of our, our entire lives and every relationship that got us to this relationship. The practice of honesty in real time is the most important um, law or rule to try to follow. Um, it's really hard especially for me, she's really good at it. Um, that, what that means is when something comes up in the relationship, you, you share it. When something comes up that she, I said that kind of miffed her, she doesn't sit on it. She doesn't hold it and let it turn into resentment over time by not expressing it. She lets it go. Um, so many relationships fail in my experience and in my, in my yeah, in what I've seen because a precedent from day one gets set where we come into the relationship with all of our baggage, all of our stuff. And for whatever reason, we're not willing to be honest. It's that sort of battle of the sexes. Touch and I do a, a group workshop we call the ballad of the sexes, where it's very much about um, sort of stepping into the conditioning that we all carry. I don't care where you're from, you know, men and women, we have unique conditionings and different conditionings and what it means to sort of be in these bodies and all these kinds of things. But that I think the most common thing I get asked by women is where, where are all the men? Where are the conscious men? I'm ready. I'm doing the work. I'm here. Where are the men? And um, the thing I hear, I think most of the men is sort of also feeling frustrated and sick of hearing all the women saying that because the men are like, I'm right here in a way. And I think what we, 
what we experience in our culture essentially right now, and my partner Touch is actually putting together a women's group around this specifically, is that she works mostly with women in the masculine. And by that, I mean women who are embodying the amazing miracle of being a woman in the world now. You're free to pursue whatever you want, mostly. You know, you can, you can be a CEO, you can be a kick-ass mom, you can do all these things. There's more freedom that women have now, arguably, than they've had anywhere on this planet in the last 5,000 years. And especially in New York, and I think you could probably speak to this, Brendan, you know, there are these just ass-kicking badass women who are out there crushing all day. The boss babes. The boss babes. And again, <laughs> there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Let me say that again. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Ladies, kick ass, be a CEO, do your own thing. And energetically, that energy is very direct, very penetrating, very empowered in a, in a very for lack of a better word, masculine way. Yeah. And if you're in that energy all the time, it's actually prohibitive to men who want to be in their masculine, who are attracted to women. So I'm, I'm just speaking generally heterosexually here. Yeah. Um, in the binary. That for, for, for the women that I work with, for the women that I've worked with, the, the, the skill is learning how, the difference between being in those two different energies. So being at work, being the boss, being in that um, directive leadership position, but then knowing how to sort of shift that into a more feminine receptive space. And it's ironic, Brendan, because most of the work I do is working with men who are in their feminine, who are looking to cultivate more presence, more of these quote unquote masculine elements um, who have very much like me, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the son of a badass second, third wave feminist, bra burning on the front lines, like hippie woman, like badass. Yeah. And I sort of learned from that dynamic that, you know, mom's the boss in a way. It's almost like the, the joke of the, the, the modern sitcom, you know, that everyone has like the, sort of like the dopey dad, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like this, this really interesting dynamic around where men are and where they're looked at. So yeah, I work with men largely who have, like I did, committed a lot of time to developing sensitivity, nonviolent communication, um, authentic relating, all these really important and beautiful things. Again, these are absolutely crucial. And there's this other side of things. One of my one of one of the guys that runs Tribe, Michael Holt, a, a huge mentor of mine, has this amazing practice he calls Savage and Saint. And it's basically just what I said, it's yin and yang. So there's the savage aspect of a man, of the masculine, that's sort of more like uh, uh, macho, but sort of football playing uh, strength and power and all these kind of ideals. And then there's the saintly quality. There's the other extreme, Jesus Christ, the Dalai Lama, all is love, all is peace. Um, The problem is, living in only one of those extremes is actually right. very limited unless yeah. you're on a football field 24 seven or right. in a monastery 24 seven. Most right. of us are not, we're in the world. Yeah. So the work I do largely with men is sort of working to balance that. Do you need more savage? Do you need more saint? And Holt is beautiful, this practice. And again, we do this in partner practice with other men. So if you and I were working together, we'd, 
I do a few different layers of drop-in for us, meaning, you know, some eye gaze, some breath, where we really sort of synchronize in that contact, the oxytocin's dropping in. Yep. And then you would take me in from your intuitive space. You may know me, you may have just met me, but you'll know just based on how I'm showing up, do I need more savage or do I need more saint in my yeah. life? Yeah. And then you'll tell me that, and then it'll be your job to help me bring out those qualities. Yep. So it's very much, um, uh, you know, everybody's in it. Both sides are sort of in that work. And then we almost like carving a statue, you get to Michelangelo me a bit into my savage. You might need to see me open my chest or like roar like a lion, literally roar, blah, like open your throat. Like you're, <laughs> why are you clenching your jaw? Like there are things that you'll see. Yeah. So um, got off on a bit of a, of a tangent. No, there, no, but, that was all good stuff. Yeah. I have a couple of things to just tie yeah, up here. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I just want to reiterate to the listeners what you're saying, Michael, the value of both masculine and feminine energies for Absolutely. both an authentically core masculine man, authentic feminine woman, vice versa. In my personal experience, 2020 was a big year in for me doing masculine work. I spent a lot of time doing the, yep. <laughs> A lot of time doing the fem sort of not even labeling or realizing it was feminine, but getting in touch with my emotions. I was an investment banker, Wall Street, drinking hard, hanging out with mm -hmm. the bros, playing tons of sports, you know, healthy masculine and maybe some of that shadow masculine. But in the end, all in on the masculine came into personal development. A lot of feminine, a lot of embodiment from the place of emotions, divine, letting go, all these types of things. And then so this year it was hit the pavement, you know, do business, make money, get in the gym, lift, join sports leagues, hang out with men, testosterone, all this stuff. Yeah. And then I started showing up. I was dating someone earlier this year and I was like bulldozing her. I wasn't listening to her. I wasn't mm -hmm. empathetic. I wasn't mm -hmm. in my body. I, and so even clients too, I'd say, you know, here's the whole, here's your homework from last week. Why didn't you do your homework? Right? And that's right. what some of them need and pay me for, yeah. but not what all of them needed. And so I just want to sort of flesh that out, the value and sort mm -hmm. of both sides. Oh yeah. If, if it was just cookie cutter, it'd be easy. We just give you, I give you a pre-written prescription. You need this or you need that. You need this or you need that. But thank God in a way, every human being is unique. And really, I mean, using these terms, masculine and feminine are largely just placeholders to point to a, a generalized extreme. But then where life happens is really in all the, the, the spaces in between. Mm -hmm. So the prescription for each client is going to be different. Yes, yeah, some need that, you know, why didn't you do your homework? You miss one session with me. If you're not on the call right at noon, if it's 1201, the call doesn't happen. And yeah. I'll see you next week. Or if it happens twice, program's done and there's no, no refunds. That's the medicine for some people. Right. And that's what will get them to bring more of themselves to the equation. For some people, they need that softness. They need that sort of, Hey, like what's, what's up? What's going on? What do you want to talk? You know, let's get into this. They need more of the empathetic side. So it's the ability. I mean, it's, it's energetic agility. Again, as, as my teachers, um, Justin Patrick Pearson, London Angel Winters talk about um, this idea of being able to be energetically agile. I can get in the gym. I can be in my body. I can 
practice stillness. I can practice dance. I can get on stage and do a monologue. I can play the piano. I can go throw the football. And I can, in each of those places, I'm not saying that you have to be you know, a, a killer quarterback and an amazing pianist to be able to wield these two sides of the equation. But it's particularly useful in relationships. And again, tying it back into your question, the, 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 the study of polarity of what, what is it that's not working in the relationship and why? And it's the, the good news. And I really hope that people can hear this. The reason most relationships fail or aren't working is entirely within your control and is usually happening because some someone or both people are um, living out their conditioning. They're living out things that they learned from their mom or things they learned from their dad that aren't actually what they really want. And so with work, you can start to understand these things. And, you know, there's, there's a rule that David Data always says, which is we always attract our reciprocal. So you always attract what is correct for you. And that's really hard for some people to hear because that might mean you're not attracting anyone or you're attracting assholes. Yeah. Can you move beyond blaming yourself for that into a curious space? Okay. Why am I attracting assholes? What is it about my energy? What is it about maybe where I'm hanging out? Maybe what is it about how I'm presenting? What do you want in a relationship? What are you actually looking for? And again, why coaching is so important. Most people haven't taken the time to actually write down what they actually want, because when they do, they often realize, oh, fuck, this is different than the way I'm actually behaving in the world. Yep. So there's we are that powerful to so the degree that you can, that you can create hell on earth and a miserable relationship is the degree to which you can create the relationship of your dreams and um, the state of heaven in your own neurological system, which yeah. comes again from these practices, which it's not woo woo bullshit anymore. It's not just hippie, hippie dippy crap. Some of it is sure. I mean, my, my Instagram and Facebook feed are certainly full of some of that, but it's beautiful to me because there is a larger understanding coming out there. People are realizing that, you know, it's, we don't just have to accept our, our fate in a way. Um, God, there's that quote from Jung that I always forget um, about fate, but yeah, it'll come to me or it won't, but yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, the one I'm talking about. No, I was just going to say, you know, one of the quotes that I do, think is relevant to what we're talking about right now Mm. is become the partner that the partner you're looking for is looking for. Yeah. Like, Oh, I want a guy who has a great job. He's aligned with his purpose. He's in great shape. He barely drinks alcohol. He has great guy friends. Okay. That's nice. Where are your girlfriends? Where's your job? Where's your meditation practice? Where's your embodiment? Yeah. Yeah. And, and hanging out. And I love a hippie drum circle more than anyone, but hanging out in hippie drum circles, if that's the, 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 the flavor of masculinity that you're looking for yeah. and are attracted to maybe isn't the best place. Yeah. So again, empowering you at the listener, whoever to start to realize how am I creating the life that I'm living? Yeah. And to the degree that I'm doing that is the degree that I can start to tinker with that and actually 
create the life that I want. It, it really is right there at our fingertips. It just takes some work and it takes some self-forgiveness. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Michael, what do you do day to day? How much of it is coaching? Uh, we'll get to the place where we'll share links and where people can reach out to you. But before we get there, what do you offer? What do you do one-on-one -on -one, groups, et cetera? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think you probably have come to this recognition yourself. I don't do one-on-one. -on -one, uh, I don't do one-offs. I don't do, you know, you, you pay me for an hour and we have a session and then that's it. Cause it just, it's just not, it doesn't work that way. We know it takes 21 days to undo a habit. We know it takes another 21 to even start to ingrain that into the body mind system. Yeah. So I work, most of the work I do is one-on-one. -on -one. It's one-on-one -on -one in either a three, four, six or 12 month container, generally speaking. Um, it's, it's energetically agile. It's going to be a combination of masculine structure. I have a, I have formulas that I know work. I have things that I know work. I have a, a, a program that I've already built out that I can sort of fit people into, but that's only half of it because I know that you are a completely unique being with your own set of circumstances and situations that is going to require me to be able to improvise in the space and meet you where you are. So what I'll do is I'll sort of build out the program, knowing that um, one of my favorite quotes, you know, no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy and that, you know, we're going to get into it. Oh, yeah. And so to be able to have an idea, have an idea of where we're going, identify some, some purpose and outcome statements. So, you know, where we're going so that in four months, I want to be here, here, and here, and then start to be able to, again, Kind of like what we were talking about earlier, we, happiness and success has a formula. I, 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 this is a recent discovery for me and it blew, blew my freaking doors off. Like your brain releases serotonin when, and happiness is sort of the, the experience of what that is when incrementally day after day, you pursue a goal, you have an aim, you've dis, this is where I'm aiming, this is where I wanna go. And what do I need to do to do that? Okay. So I want to be there in three months or six months. So for the next three to six months, we're going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to do it every single day. And in doing that, that's going to work, or it's going to, it's going to tell us, oh, we need to pivot and go this way. But because we're doing the work. So again, back to your first question, if you don't know what your purpose is, pick one freaking thing and do that. And that just the forward momentum is going to give you information that's going to tell you this is it or this is not it. And hopefully in that process, because this is, again, my experience, what usually happens is there'll be something in the process of pursuing that thing that will then pivot you more in the direction of where you need to go. But that, again, happiness is something that happens when you pursue an aim over time. It's not, it's not achieving the aim. You know, you win the Super Bowl. Guess what? You're Super Bowl champs for three months. And then the next season starts, you know, training starts and you got to do it again. So it's having something that you're aiming at, having a goal that you're aiming at and then working towards that, um, whether that's the relationship, whether that's your purpose, whether that's your job, whether that's your family. And hopefully that's all of those things, you know, working on one again, there's only one way of being. So to the degree that you work on your relationships, every other facet in your life is kind of going to get pulled along with that. Uh, yeah. And I can attest to that as someone who came to this work 
predominantly for support with relationships. Mm-hmm. And then five years later, I run a coaching company and a podcast. So right. it's, it's cool how it all, well like, you know, thank you. It, it takes over all different aspects of your life in a good way. Yeah. Um, so we're talking to Michael Bates right now. We'll get your links and everything in a second. But I want to ask you, we're talking about your one-on-one coaching program, mm-hmm. where it sounds like you do have some slots available. Who is this program? Who is your one-on-one coaching program for? And who is it not for? It's mm. a great question. I think right now it's mostly, I think it's for men. I think it's for men who have spent a lot of time in their feminine and who are looking to cultivate masculinity in their relationships, in their job and their purpose. When I was in New York, I actually, most of the guys I was working with were ex-finance guys, guys who had doctors, lawyers, finance, they'd done the thing they were supposed to do. And then they'd had an aha moment and realized, Oh fuck, I've got money in the bank. I got the hot girlfriend. I got the car. I got the apartment, but I'm fucking miserable. Yeah. And that transition of realizing that, oh my God, my purpose is actually this. Out here in, you know, in Colorado, I think largely what I've been doing right now, and this is actually a group program that I'm developing right now. So I think this particular work is going to work really well as a group program, because at least for me, being with other men that are going through the same thing I'm going through eradicates that lone wolf, oh my God, I thought it was just me kind of thing. Right. It also allows us to directly meet what I think is the biggest impediment to men right now, which is the sort of fake book and insta shamification of that shadow competition thing that happens in the masculine where, oh, my God, I'm a coach. But look at what this coach is doing. And it seems like his whole, you know, hand shot advertisement is just to make me feel bad about myself. So I do his thing or look at his pecs or look at, you know, his bottom line. Oh my God, I'm a, I, I can't possibly be that. And the whole thing collapses. So my work is for men who are looking to cultivate that dynamism of energetic agility, where they know that there's something not quite right. There's something not quite there. And again, you know, you're, if you're coming to me, you're already halfway there. If they're coming to you, they're already halfway there. Yeah. You've identified that there's an issue. And so you've brought something, and this is that Jung quote, to the degree that we, we, I'll have to paraphrase it, to the degree that we fail to make the unconscious conscious, we will, that will control our life and we will call it fate. So there's something about, you've already woken up to the degree you know something's wrong and you've done the egoic work to realize as we all do, Rome was not built in a day, we can't do everything by ourselves. We're social animals, we need help. I need help. And as soon as you make that recognition, again, what I experienced in my initial forays into this work is once you've realized there's a problem, you start looking and asking for help, it shows up. It shows up. You hear this podcast. You hear another podcast. David Data's book falls in your lap. Clarissa Picola Estes's book falls in your lap. Um, Women Who Run With The Wolves is the book that I'm referring to. Um, my woman right now is reading, uh, the heroine's journey by, uh, Maureen. Oh God. Oh, geez. I think it starts with an M as well. She'll, she'll be tickled that I forgot this, but, um, <laughs> there's, there's work out there for everyone. There is absolutely work to be found that pertains to your unique situation and your unique struggle. 
and hate to break it to you, but you're not alone and it's not just you. So get over yourself and um, do whatever it takes to, to get yourself where you need to be. Because sorry, it's within your, it's really is within your control. It yeah. really is. And I know for people that have, you know, imbalances or who have been medicated or who have been convinced that they're broken and there's no way back. It's just not true. It's just not true. Yeah. Well said. So with all of this, where can people find you, get in touch, your website, your Instagram, your email address, your social security number. And I'm just <laughs> <laughs> bank account, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, my website is probably the best way. Um, I found that most, most of my clients come by word of mouth. Most of my clients come from people recommending people to me. Uh, the edge for me is to this year. And it's one of my goals is to lean more, more into the um, proliferation of my work, trying to get myself more out there. Um, yeah. It makes me really uncomfortable. So again, that's an edge for me. And that's something I'm trying to lean into and how to do that in integrity, how to do that. Well, yeah. Michaelbates.com is my website. I spell my name uniquely. I'm again, my hippie mama, um, M I K A A L B A T E S Michaelbates.com. You can find me on Instagram as well. Um, at Michael underscore Bates, uh, Facebook too. Uh, I'm based here in Denver, Colorado now. Um, but have a uh, big family still in New York, the West Coast as well, LA. So I, uh, I do a lot of in-person workshops as well when COVID isn't a, isn't a thing. But uh, yeah, lots of different ways to, to work with me. This group program, I'm really excited about. My, my lady and I touch, we're going to do it at the same time. So she's going to be taking the women, I'm going to be taking the men. Again, she works with women who are working to get out of their masculine. Again, not mm. to eschew it, not to throw it away or devalue it, but just to learn how to use it, how to wield it. Again, yes. neither of these, none of this is good or bad. It's just what is the medicine for you? Where do you need to lean into? So guys, if you're, if you're looking to develop more presence, if you're looking to develop your attention, if you're looking to um, solidify yourself, step out of emasculation, um, and become a powerhouse really in your own, in your own right, in the realms of, um, purpose, business, romance, um, and self. Uh, I, I'm, I think I can help you. Well, I know that you can. And, and Michael, I, I want to end with a very crude, hopefully I'll get a chuckle out of you quote <laughs> from, uh, a, a now friend of mine and, uh, a gentleman who came on this podcast last year. Uh, his name is Dr. Robert Glover. He wrote the book, No More oh Mr. No More Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah. 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 And so uh, Glover came on my show and uh, the way he describes how you're very eloquently, politely and sensitively putting, um, you know, women leaving their masculine energy at work. Glover just says, yeah, women got to leave their balls at the office. Fuck yeah, they do. But, uh, you yeah, know, and, men a, gotta, and men got to pick theirs up. Yeah. You know? And that's so oh, yeah. funny because oh, yeah. I am absolutely a recovering Mr. Nice Guy, a recovering people pleaser. Yeah. Yep. I'm a freaking nine. If you know the Enneagram system, it's like all the things, right? So yeah. all the things I had to, I had to struggle through and uncover and just suffer through for freaking decades. And I mean, that's the gift of this work. Now it's, it's what I'm teaching. So for me, it's, yeah. it's important for all of us as teachers to teach what we know and to teach from our own experience and not to presume to step into realms we don't have any experiential business um, being in. But, you know, medicine work is another thing that I do um, as well, which is a little um, tricky to talk about. 
but uh, you know, sometimes there are impediments that you can sit in 10 years of talk therapy and not, not break through because there's trauma or there's some type of real, real, real deep egoic structure protecting you from something that it believes is, is, uh, is dangerous, which was good when you were a little kid, but now as an adult is the thing that you need. And so um, there are lots of, lots of ways nowadays Michael Pollan's book, Change, How to Change Your Mind is a great reference point for that. The work that MAPS is doing, um, MAPS is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. There's lots of, lots of ways in these days and I'm in no way <laughs> um, celebrating uh, moving down illegal realms, but there are plenty of perfectly legal ways to you know, go about getting, getting the medicine you need. Yeah. Well, Michael Bates, um, your journey is more than inspirational. The work that you're doing is powerful. And I'm very grateful that we've been able to connect, that you've come on this show. One more time for the listeners, it's M-I-K-A-A-L Bates, B-A-T-E-S. Michael, thanks again for coming on the show. Brendan, what a pleasure. And what a pleasure to see you thriving in this space and creating so much amazing work. I just really want to thank and acknowledge you any of you guys listening out there, if you have not worked with Brendan yet, what are you waiting for? Like, seriously, <laughs> check, your, check yourself. Thank you, Michael. I always appreciate the kind words. So thanks again. Make it easy, brother. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Lastly, if you're looking to take your personal life, business, or career to the next level, and you want access to me, as well as my community of like-minded people, head over to courses.brendanhburns.com and join us in Mastery Academy, my membership site that comes with online course content, as well as live coaching calls every two weeks, hosted by me personally. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.